Hey guys, this is Rocky, and you're listening to the God Loves Miami podcast. I want to welcome you to today's episode, and I also want to encourage you to follow us on social media at God Loves Miami on Instagram and Facebook so that you can find out all that we are about and what God is calling us to do in our city. And now here's Pastor Mark. I teased a couple of you this week with a... um with something, and, and I'll tell you eventually. I'll tell you eventually. No, just kidding. Um, I know that we've been talking about good lit, good lit, good lit, and about a contract that was going to materialize itself, and uh, that we were going to sign it, and, and honestly, like every week, they would tell me, no, next week, next week, next week. Well, I have good news. I signed it. I signed it this week. Um, and so that's awesome. God has been so good to us. It's it's been a long journey. I mean, we're still on our way towards August 14th, which is the official uh, beginning, our new beginning here in Hialeah of our weekly services. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I, I, I actually grew up on 8th Avenue. I lived on 8th Avenue as a kid. Um, I was born in Hialeah Hospital. I don't know how many times I played basketball here and, you know, messed around in this park. And um, my wife's grandparents live walking distance from here. Uh, one time, my dad was raising ducks in the back of our house, and before they ate us out of house and home, I mean, it started with two ducks, and in like six months, it was like 50 ducks living in my patio. The duck eggs are good, by the way, delicious. Um, but that's not, you know, one time, uh, my, my mom calls my grandfather, who had this big Ghostbuster station wagon, and we put like all 50 ducks in the back of the station wagon, and we dumped them right here in that <laughs> In that lake in the corner. Um, so I have history here. And never did I think um, that, that we'd be here. But, but God had different plans. And it's been incredible. The doors that God is opening um, and the opportunities that he's opening for our church, for me to minister in places I never thought I'd be ministering in. And, um, and, and I'll be honest with you, walking through some of these doors has been hard for me. It has. It's been hard See, a lot of you see me up here, and, and you're like, man, it, it must be so easy for Pastor Mark to get on stage and talk. And, and in front of you guys, it is. Thank you. Thank you so much. It is for, you, for me in front of you guys in church to come up here and, and pretend to argue with my wife, because we never argue, by the way. Um, that wasn't a joke. <laughs> um, and uh, so it's, it's easy for me to be up here, be funny, and talk. It's second nature for me. But when it comes to formal environments... When someone, you know, I, I show up somewhere and it says, like, special guest Mark Rodriguez freaks me out. Freaks me out. Um, I get really nervous. I feel very out of place. Um, weddings, I'm terrible. I mean, at least I feel like I'm terrible. Um, funerals, I mean, I just feel so, so out of place. When I have to wear a suit and go to, like, a political event, very awkward uh, for me. And, uh, and, and it's just tough. And, and honestly, I, I feel, again, like I'm the worst when it comes to this stuff. Um, and I don't know why my phone keeps ringing. This week it rang again, right, confirming that I'm going to be praying at the Hialeah 4th of July event at Mylander Park, which all of you are invited to come out to that. Maybe I could even get you, like, VIP access or something. Um, some reggaeton guys. Regga How do you say reggaeton in English? Just reggaeton? Reggaetoneros. Um, uh, they're going to they're gonna be there, and, and it's just weird. It's weird for me, um, and uh, I just feel very insecure. I feel very insecure when I'm, when I'm in these environments, and I think we all struggle with insecurity. Anybody ever struggle with insecurity? 
um, the way we look. Uh, maybe um, someone talked about us one day and pointed something out, and we've been carrying this perception of what someone else had of us, and, and it makes us feel insecure. Our upbringing, maybe we grew up differently. Maybe we grew up with less money than some people or in a different part of town, and, and then when people know where we're from, we just feel like, oh, they're judging me, right? Maybe it's a mistake that we made, and every time we walk in a room, even though people don't know about the mistake, we feel like, oh my gosh, do they know? Right, and we're carrying this burden, this insecurity that's tearing us down. Maybe people made fun of you. Maybe you were made fun of. Maybe you were picked last when it came to sports, and you're like, man, like, like I, I'm just like never gonna go to the park again because every time I go to the park, nobody picks me, and then if they pick me, they make fun of me, right? We all struggle with this. Insecurities can cripple us. Not only can insecurities cripple us, but they can rob us of what God wants to do in our life, of the way that God wants to bless us, of what God wants to use us to bless others. There's people that need you and need me. And many times because we feel like we're not good enough, we hold off. We're like, oh, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm going to wait. Maybe you feel like, you know, you want to serve in the church. You want to serve in kids ministry or you want to serve in the band or you want to serve in our audio ministry and you're like, oh, I'm just not good enough. Uh, and you know what? The only way that you get better is by doing things and it's by surrounding yourself. And here's the thing. You're probably amazing. You're probably amazing, but you've never used that gift that God's given you because insecurity is crippling you. Well, you know what? That's what I want to talk about today. In a message I've titled, How to Face My Insecurities. Last time we were together, we talked about the life of Moses, right? This guy had a strong sense of identity. He knew who he wasn't, and he knew who he was. He grew up in the Pharaoh's house and was raised as a prince in Egypt, in Pharaoh's court. And when he realized that he wasn't an Egyptian, when he finally knew that that's not who he was, that's not who his identity was, he left all of that behind to be who God created him to be. You see, many times for us, we don't want to be who God created us to be because we see what we are. And sometimes pretending to be someone that we're not is easier. We've gotten used to it, right? Like when people ask me how old I am, I'm like, I'm my, my new identity is I'm, I'm in my 40s, right? And, and I'm going to be in my 40s for the next six years, right? And so for the next six years, hey, how old are you? Oh, I'm in my 40s. And if they ask me 40 what, I'm like, that's disrespectful. Respect me, right? <laughs> you know, but if I'm talking to older people, then I'm like, oh, I'm 44. And they're like, oh, I'm 62. I'm like, oh, man, I feel bad for you, you know? <laughs> um, but hey, even though Moses had a real strong sense of who he was, he still struggled with insecurities. He had insecurity issues. See, when we read the life of Moses, we realize that his insecurity showed up in the weirdest moment, and it's going to surprise you where you see where Moses' insecurity comes out. And it's actually something that you and I ask for. You're like, oh, if I had this confirmation, then I would be more secure where Moses had it. And he was still insecure. I wonder how many of you, whenever you're facing a big decision in your life, you have a big opportunity. Maybe it's a crossroads in your life, a fork in the road. I wonder how many of you have ever said something, if I could just hear the audible voice of God, right? If I could just hear, Mark, I'd freak out, by the way, if I'm like sleeping, Mark, I mean like, babe, yes, right? Uh, what happened to your voice? But that freaked me out. 
But sometimes we're like, man, if I could just hear the audible voice of God, I would know what my next step is. If I could just see a burning bush, right, then I would know for sure what I'm supposed to do. If that happened, if God would speak to me, it would set me in the direction that I need to go. And then I know I got to move. Then I know I got to marry this person. Then I know I got to quit my job and take on this new job. I would have confidence. And most of us have probably said this at one time or another in our life. But this is what happened to Moses. And in that moment, when we would think that he would have confidence, his insecurity started to bubble to the surface. Right? And I, I looked up the definition of insecurity, and it's this lacking confidence or assurance. That's what insecurity means. And then it says, comma, self-doubt. Insecurity is when we doubt ourselves, when we doubt who we are. There's a few things in our lives that breed insecurity, right? And, and, and what comes out is this, extreme shyness. People that are extremely shy struggle with insecurity. Arrogant people, the opposite, right? People that like to brag a lot, people that are overly aggressive. We become overly aggressive when we're insecure, overly passive when we're insecure. This is something I think that a lot of us as Christians, we struggle with and we need to become stronger, is constantly conforming, trying to become someone that everyone likes and compromising our beliefs and our convictions because we want to fit in. Phoniness. Insecure people wear masks and they pretend to be something and someone that they're not. Also, when we struggle with insecurity, we have the fear of failure, right? And, and, and that's how I feel. I, like when, when, when I get invited to these formal events and, and I'm standing in front of hundreds of people that, that I don't know and that don't know me so that I can pray. I mean, I turn into like Joe Biden. I'm like, uh, 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 uh. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, where am I? Where am I? I need my cheat sheet, right? And uh, <laughs> it's crazy. It, it happens to me. And I'm like, man, who is this guy? And you know what? All this stuff showed up in the life of Moses, too. And I, I kind of paraphrased it a little bit and turned it kind of into a play, right? It'll be up here on the screen. And, and here's what God says. Moses is tending, right, to his father-in-law's sheep. He's working for his father-in-law, taking care of his sheep. He's in the desert, right? And he has an encounter with God. He sees this burning bush in the middle of the desert, and he had probably walked by hundreds of these for years now, these bushes, and they'd catch on fire, and they kind of would like, you know, I guess fall apart, right? Yet Moses notices that there's a bush, and it burns, but it's not consumed. And so as he begins to approach it, right, he, uh, he hears a voice that says, take off your sandals because you're stepping on holy ground, right? Here's a voice coming from this burning bush. And then God begins to speak to him. And, and here's what God says. First thing is, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God's children are slaves. They're being mistreated. Their children are being killed. They're being oppressed. They're not allowed to worship the way they want to worship. I mean, it's, it is a terrible situation. And God chooses Moses, by the way, who is fleeing because he murdered an Egyptian that was beating a Jew. And so he kills the Egyptian and runs 
All right, so he is a fugitive of the law, an exile that probably in his mind thinks, I'm never going to go back. I'm never going to see my family again. I'm never going back to, uh, to the rest of my people. I will live in exile forever. Has an encounter with God, and God says, I am choosing you, voice of God, presence of God, to set my people free. The opportunity of a lifetime, an audible voice, a confidence booster. And here's Moses' response. Moses says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? And then God says, I will be with you. I mean, think of that. Like, you know, you're going to go to the park. Someone's picking on you. You have an older brother, right? Probably like as tall and strong and handsome as Jason, you know, like six feet tall, right? And you're a little scrub, like 5'3", and some kids are picking on you. And then your big brother says, I'll go with you. You show up to the park saying, like, who's going to mess with me now, right? Maybe I should have used more like the rock, right? Maybe instead of Jason, maybe a little more confidence, <laughs> right? But think of that. You'd go. Like, I remember when kids would pick on me, and then I would go somewhere, and I would talk to one of my friends that were a senior, 10th grader, and I'm in 7th grade, and be like, yo, this kid's picking on me. Hey, don't worry about it, man. I got your back. That's a confidence booster. God says, I will be with you. And then Moses comes back and says, Lord, I have never been eloquent. I am slow of speech and tongue. If one of my people, a Cuban, would have written this, it would have said, yo soy un gago. Right? Moses era gago. Moses had a speech impediment. Right? He, he stumbled, yet God was calling him, and God was saying, I will be with you. And Moses kept giving God excuses the same way that I do, same way that we all do. And then God comes back and says, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Again, God is there trying to build him up, trying to build up his insecurities. And uh, there's a, a part of this conversation, Exodus chapter 3. I recommend that you go back home, pull your Bible apps out or your Bible and read Exodus chapter 3. But there's a part when, when this back and forth is going with, with God and with Moses. right? I, will, I would have already gotten upset. Okay, get out of here. Lightning, boom. Lo chicharro right there, right? But God kept on because I'm, I'm so glad I'm not God um, and none of us are God, right? And God kept on, and, and then God looks at Moses, and he says, what are you holding? What's in your hand? And Moses had this staff, this walking stick, right, that he used as a weapon. He used to walk, and God says, uh, throw it on the ground. And Moses throws it on the ground, and, and the, the staff becomes a snake, right, a miracle. Wow. Moses, and then he says, pick it up by the tail, picks it up by the tail, boom, turns back into a stick. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. I think that would have been enough for me. Would have loved to come home and show my kids that, right? Every time I hear a good dad joke, I'm like, I can't wait to see my kid, right? So I could tell him a dad joke. I'm trying to remember a funny one now, and I can't. The only one I remember is probably, it's a little inappropriate, so I won't share it. Um, but maybe in private, you ask me, I'll tell you, right? Um, and, then, and then God does another miracle, right? He says, get your hand and put it in your pocket. And Moses gets his hand and puts it in his pocket, and the Bible tells us when he pulls his hand out of his pocket, his hand is white, full of leprosy, like snow, right? Wow, this is crazy. And then God says, put it back in your pocket, pulls it out, boom, leprosy gone. Moses is healed. You'd think now Moses would have all the confidence that he needed, that his insecurities would have like withered away, 
that Moses would have said, wow, look at this power that I have. God is with me. God's going to tell me what to say. He's teaching me these cool tricks that I'm going to show everybody, right? And after all of this, Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Incredible. I mean, this is shocking. Like, when I read this, I remember reading this for the first time thinking, que bobo, right? This is the opportunity of a lifetime, and he's throwing it away, right? He's, he's how could you fight with God? Yeah, we do the same thing with God all the time. We feel God pushing us. We feel God leading us. We feel God saying, hey, take that decision. Take that new job. Buy that house. Start this ministry opportunity, right? Talk to that girl. Talk to that guy or walk away from the situation. God speaks to us. God leads us. God is trying to guide us. And what do we do? Many times. We like, we ignore him. We try to switch the channel, right? We try to, we turn up the music. We try to get his voice out of our head. And then we tell our friends, man, if God would just speak to me, if he would show up, if I would hear an audible voice, if I would have a burning bush experience, then I would know what to do. Or would we? Would we make the same decision that Moses says, pardon me, God. He was so polite, right? Please send someone else. Man, you know what I'm thinking? Man up, right? Man up. Come on, Moses. How can Moses be so insecure? How can he be so insecure with the opportunity that God had given him? See, every single boy that was born under captivity, every parent would look at them and say, is this the savior? Is this the one that's going to rescue us? That's why the devil... They killed all the firstborn boys when Moses was born. This wasn't the Pharaoh. This was Satan. Satan put it in his heart to kill all the baby boys. Why? Because he knew that the Savior was coming. The Savior of Israel was coming. The one that was going to take them out of captivity was coming. And now the moment has come where God is calling him out. And he doesn't do it. We're just like Moses, you and I. You see, I have this thing that I struggle with. Um, I don't play games. I don't play games, and you've probably been around me, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to play it, right? And I, I find that I have the same amount of fun watching people play, sitting next to the domino table or the poker table, whatever the case may be, the ping pong table, and laughing. I love talking smack. I love trash talking, and I can talk a lot of trash from the side of the table and not play. And I could talk about trash about this guy and that guy, both of them, the winner and the loser, right? It's a lot of fun. And I didn't realize that the reason I didn't like to play games is because I was insecure, right? And I was in counseling one time. I'm talking to a counselor, and I'm talking about some things that I'm, I'm str I was struggling with. And the counselor asked me, hey, can I ask you a question? Do you like to play games? And I'm like, I did talk to my wife, my kids, you know, like they're like, can you play Monopoly? I'm always like, ah, I don't play Monopoly, but I'll sit with you and watch you play Monopoly, right? And then he starts pulling things out of my childhood, things that had happened to me, traumas that I had had. And he's like, the reason that you don't play games is because you're insecure. The reason that you don't play games is because you have this fear of failure, right? You see, most of our insecurities don't arrive instantly. 
they show up and build up over the course of our life. Things that happen. A lot of situations that we create for ourselves, right? They're actually more like, you know, had anybody ever gotten like a little ding on their windshield? I mean, I hate when that happens. I remember my first car. I'm on I-75. I'm driving to work, and there's one of these trucks, right, with the little rocks. And I don't, is that legal? Like, I don't understand. It's like raining rocks, and like, it's okay with the world, right? And man, I'm like, ding, 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 and I'm like, I'm like playing like space invaders behind this thing, like trying to avoid the little rocks. And then all of a sudden, there's this rock that looks like a baseball that's like boom, 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 boom. And it hits my windshield. And I'm like, oh. And it was super loud. And, and then I'm driving, and I look. It's in the right of my windshield. And I'm like, ah, it's just a little scratch. Right? And then a couple weeks go by, and the little scratch was now like kind of like a little, a little line. And, and, uh, and a friend pointed it out that was in the passenger seat, or maybe it was my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. And I'm like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. And I looked into it. It's like 300 bucks to change it. I'm not going to change it. I didn't know that was covered under insurance because I was young and dumb. Right, and, and I just kept on with this thing on my windshield, and little by little, it started becoming like a spider web, and the, there was cracks like all over my windshield. That's the same way that insecurity builds in our life. It's like a little thing, and we ignore it, and ignore it, and ignore it, and then when you're in your 40s, you don't want to play Monopoly with your kids, right? What a jerk, right? And then I just tell them, your dad has issues. Pray for me, Right? And uh, I still haven't played Monopoly with them, but I will. I play dominoes with them. Now it's, you know. Um, here are three sources of insecurity in our life. First one is rejection. Someone rejected you at some point in your life. And now you're insecure. and You never want to feel like that again. You never want anyone to reject you again. And whenever, whenever someone rejects you, it's like, boom. It's like you either implode or explode. Rejection, criticism. When people criticize you, you cannot. Someone criticized you as a kid. No, okay. We're great at that as parents, right? You know, criticizing. And sometimes your parents loved you. Let me tell you, if your parents criticize you, yeah, my dad, my mom. I want to tell you, they probably did it no better. And someone did it to them. But here's the amazing thing about the grace of God and the power of God. Today, we can break that in your life in Jesus' name. That criticism, those scars. But man, criticism is something that makes us insecure. And it could be anything. It could be like someone made you un cafecito. And you're like, oh, can you add a little more sugar to the coffee? And what do you mean? I'm like, oh, no, nothing. It's okay. I'll drink it like this, you know. I didn't know you liked your coffee the way you are. Bitter, right? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, (laughs) but, But that's happened to people. You're like, oh, I just told her, can you pass me the salt? And she freaks out. He freaks out. But there's this bigger thing inside of us that we've been carrying our whole lives, and some of us don't even realize it, that that windshield is just all shattered up. One little thing becomes a big snowball, right? The third thing is comparison. And, man, I think that's something that this generation is being bombarded with even more. Before, right, if... if Young people to struggle with comparison, you had to go to like a store and buy a teen magazine and start looking at, you know, all the people you like in their bathing suits and, you know, flexing with the new clothes. And by the time you got the magazine and went to the store, the clothes was already out of style. You know what I mean? You had to go out 
and look for it. Your parents had to have cable, right? And not, and you have one TV in the house or two. And so you couldn't even watch the channels that you wanted to watch because your dad was watching the news all day or, you know, some Spanish novela your grandma was watching. And, and so it was difficult. You could only compare yourselves with your friends and, and it was still hard, but there was only two or three good looking people in your school. So it wasn't that hard, right? But now, now the way our kids are getting bombarded, the way our wives are getting bombarded, our, the husbands getting bombarded, the temptation, is this, no, I can't, it'd be cool if I could do it again, right? Um, the temptation, the way that comparison is destroying young people, it's crazy, man. Filters, and it's not even people anymore, it's like fake people. Like, I saw this cool filter I almost downloaded. It was free for three days, and you could get abs. Like, have you guys seen that one? It's like a filter. I'm like, man. But I couldn't have the courage of taking a picture of myself, like, and then, like, adding the abs and being like, oh, that's what they look like under. Right? I got the security package when I upgraded, and so my abs are not visible to the common eye. But there was an app. Man, comparison, it's tough. All right. <laughs> Guys, Jesus loves you just the way you are. You're special in his eyes. Three solutions for insecurity. First one is change my thinking. Change the way that I think. A lot of times these insecurities, they're in our head. They're in our head. We're thinking the wrong way, by the way, is this signal going out too? Johnny, it's going out? Okay. By the way, right, it's the way that we're thinking. It's what people are telling us or have told us, and we allow this to now lead us. This is what's putting wind in our sails. We have bought into the world's thinking. We're thinking the wrong way. I love when people would come to Jesus and try to mess with him, try to get him to mess up. Jesus would love to challenge the way that the people thought. There was one time that the disciples came to Jesus because, you know, there was 12 of them. And, and when Jesus wasn't around, they're trying to figure out, like, who's the leader? Who's the boss? Who's going to be the first? Who's going to be the last? Right? And, and Jesus tells them, the first will be the last. And the last will be the first. I mean, like, ugh. It's like, man, every time we come to Jesus, man, he gives us one of these brain lobotomies and, like, just changes everything, turns the world upside down. And, 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 and the world's thinking it's upside down. Jesus is saying the first will be the last, and the last will be the first. What does the world teach us today? What are our children learning? Whoever dies with the most toys wins. I used to love that bumper sticker as a kid. I'm like, yeah, because I love toys. But that's what the world teaches us. Gather, gather, get, get, get more stuff, even if you can't afford it. Buy it, get it, right? And you destroy your life. And then when you die, and this is like something that unfortunately has hit me harder than ever in this last year, year and a half. And I've done funerals I didn't want to do. Is when someone dies, we file them away. Walk. And the next thing that we ask is where we're going to lunch. Think about that. Literally, there's these giant filing cabinets where we put people in, in the funeral uh, cemeteries, right? Because they don't fit in the ground anymore. So we build these buildings and charge thousands of dollars. So when you die, all your stuff, people are going to fight for it. Because it's mine. I deserve it. I earned it. It's mine. 
And then the poor old person or young person that dies gets put like a file, like boom, case closed. Stamp, cocking, and everybody's going, we're going to La Carreta, we're going to Latin American. What are we doing? Right? It stinks. How many opportunities and people we walk away from because we just want to gather things. Jesus wants to change the way that we think. Romans 12 says this, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Right? When you change the way that you think. Some people are like, I don't know what God's will is for my life. Then change the way you think. You got a bunch of junk up in that head. You keep filling it with more junk. And then you wonder why you don't know what God's will is. Romans 12.2 says this. Change the way that you think. Period. Right? I had, a, I had a teacher from like New Guinea or one of those Guinea places. And every, he would say, full stop, right? Never heard that before. All of us, full stop. All these kids from Hialeah living. What the heck is that? Right? Well, full stop. Change the way you think. Full stop. Period. Then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Look at your life right now. Is it good? Is it pleasing? Is it perfect? Because if it isn't, we need to start changing the way that we are thinking. Let's not take on the mold, the impression that the world is trying to put on us. See, I, I love reading um, the Psalms. I, I love music. Those of you that know, I, I dabble a little bit in music. And Psalm 8 says this, when I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings, that you should care for them. The psalmist is looking at the world and saying, wow, I see all this marvelous stuff. Who am I that you would consider me and look at me and care for me and die for me? Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with your glory and honor. God, Jesus, and then you, not an angel, not anything else ever made. You, that's how precious and beautiful and amazing you are. I grew up, and, and like a lot of us, you know, a lot of the Hispanic culture is like, we don't tell our kids how good they are. We, we, we especially the boys, it's like, no, no, I don't want them to go, I don't want it to go to their head. You know, if I tell them that they did a good job, then they're going to stop, right? Or maybe it was just me, but, but I just feel like that's very common in our, in our culture, and we don't let it go to your head. Well, you know what? Let it go to your head. Let it go to your head how precious you are, how amazing you are that the God of the universe, the one that formed the planets, the one that formed this earth, the one that made everything says that I made you just a little bit lower than me. That's how amazing and precious you are. We come from a culture where sometimes... Our kids are struggling so much because of insecurity. And I'm a dad and I have two teenagers and a preteen right now. And so I'm struggling. I'll be honest. I'm struggling because I'm worried about my kids and they're awesome. And I'm proud of them. And I love them. But I also see the world that they're growing up in and the temptation that they have. And how easily just the way that they think could change them. 
and rob them. We need to make sure that we're putting good words into our kids, that we're speaking life into our kids. I tell my daughter Stella, and I believe this, right? But I tell her, you're so beautiful. Every day I tell her she's beautiful. I tell her I love her. I, I can't even count how many times I tell her every day. I tell my boys the same thing, that you're awesome, that I'm proud of you. You look at their phone and you, you skim through their texts. And, and I, if I think about it, I'll just text them, I love you. You're so great. I'm so proud of you. And there's also moments where I have to tell them I'm disappointed in you. I don't like what you're doing. No, you can't do that. But you know what? They're full of so much love. They're full of so much positive affirmation in the name of Jesus. Because positive affirmation without the name of Jesus, it's just hot air. All right? So we have to fill their head and their hearts with words that are going to build them up and the word of God. Because you know what happens if we don't fill them up? The devil's going to fill them up. The world is going to fill them up. If you're not filling up your spouse with words like, I love you, and you're beautiful, and you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen, and I don't want to be with anyone else. I just want to be with you, and I care about you, and I can't wait to see you. My wife leaves the house in the morning at 6 or 7, whatever time she goes to work, because I'm still kind of asleep when she's leaving, right? Especially now in the summer. Um, and I'll text her, I love you, I miss you. And she just left, but I miss her, right? If I don't start filling her heart, I mean, she's a woman of God and whatever, it never happened. But could the devil use something or someone else or some, doesn't even have to be a person to start filling the space that belongs to me. That God gave me the responsibility to fill and care for and love and respect. Fill your mind and your thinking with godly things. Second thing is this, embrace my uniqueness. Embrace your uniqueness. Embrace that you were created by God, that God loves you. I told you that I love poetry and, and music. And in Psalm, it says this, Psalm 139, it says, For you, God, created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That's how much God loves you. Look at that picture. God could have said anything. He could have said, like, I, like, you know, Printed you with my 3D printer, right? Just say whatever he wants. But no, I knit you together in your mother's womb. It's delicate. It's precious. It takes time. Leilani's great-grandmother, every time I saw her, she was knitting and knitting. I tell stories about her knitting and knitting. And I'm like, does she even know what she's doing? Because she's just doing. And she's talking and bossing people around. Right? And knitting, knitting, knitting. And after a couple weeks, it's this beautiful dress and a shirt. I'm like, ah, how'd that even happen? Right? Yet God is saying, I knit you together in your mother's womb. That's how precious you are. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You are unique. Don't believe what people tell you. Don't believe the lies of the devil. You're made by God. And yes, we have faults. There's things I don't like about myself. Like there's things you don't like about yourself. But that makes me unique. And I'll work on that. And if I can't change it, I will use that to know that God's grace is sufficient. The way that Paul says. I have this thorn in my flesh that I've prayed over and over to take it away. This difficulty, this, this handicap, whatever it is. But I still honor and love God and accept my uniqueness. 
This is the last thing. Trust my creator. Trust your creator, the one that knit you together, the one that loved you, the one that made you, the one that cares so much about you that sent his only son so that you would not have to die, so that you would not be a slave to sin. Trust your creator. Isaiah 64 says this, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are formed by your hands. God formed us by his hands. Every time I read this, I think of the movie Ghost and just that scene where they're doing the clay pot thing, right? But like hearing that today, we're like, ah, oh, big deal, clay pot. Um, a couple weeks ago, I went to visit a businessman. And I'm sitting, this guy is very successful, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful building. And uh, they serve us coffee. And I had never seen these super cool like cups, right? They're, and I'm like, man, these are really cool. And I'm into cups. Um, you could ask my wife, it annoys her that I bring cups home and stuff. And, um, and, and I'm just like really geeking out over this stupid cup that I'm drinking coffee out of. And then I look on the other side of the boardroom, the owner, the millionaire that owns the building and the business is drinking out of this jacked up cup. And I'm like, bro, I, I'm like, the person that gave him this coffee is going to get fired. Right? All of us have these nice Italian cups, right? And this guy is drinking out of like some beat up thing that someone bought like at a garage sale. And um, when I'm leaving, I'm a joker, right? And I'm inappropriate at times. I'm talking to the guy that gave him his coffee. And I'm like, bro, you're going to get fired, bro. Next time I come here, just give him my cup, bro. It's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, everybody had like these super cool cups made in Italy. And then the boss shows up and you give him coffee in this beat up mug. And he goes, nah, bro, he only drinks coffee out of that mug. You see, his son who passed away made him that mug. See the difference? The person that made my mug, who knows? It probably wasn't even made in Italy. It was probably made in China, right? But he knew the hands that made that mug and refused to drink out of any other cup in his office, in his building. He could afford to buy a factory of cups. Yet he wanted the cup that his son touched and painted very poorly for him. Right? In the very same way you were created and molded by the hands of God. Don't settle for anything else. Surrender your insecurities to him. We all know the story of Moses ended that he actually went out and set God's people free. And led them to the promised land. And led them through trials and tribulations and scary moments. Because at some point he decided that he was not going to be crippled by his insecurities. He was not going to allow what the world had told him growing up. Oh, you can't talk. You talk funny. I'm sure the Pharaoh was actually, some believe, like his stepbrother, right? Or step-uncle, a relative of his. Probably grew up knowing that he wasn't Egyptian. Making fun of the way that he talked. And now God was saying, I want you to go talk to the guy that made fun of you. I want you to go talk to the guy that wants to kill you because you killed an Egyptian. Sometimes God will put us in places that only he can sustain us. 
I'll repeat that. There will be moments in your life that you will be put in a place that the only way that you will see a way out is because God was there with you. Because if you could do it on your own, then you don't need God. I don't know about you, but I need God. I need God, and I will make room for him to do whatever he wants to. Even if it's scary, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's something that I don't feel like I can do, I will walk through every door. And that's, that's the thing I, I've been telling Leilani. He's like, what did you say when they called you? I said, yes. So what are we going to do? On 4th of July, we're going to be in Mylander Park with a bunch of reggaeton guys. And if they want a pastor to come and pray before they blow up a million dollars of fireworks, I will show up in Jesus' name. And they may not invite me back, but that moment that they're giving me, I may stumble, I may say weird things, but in the name of Jesus, I will stand there and glorify God in the middle of my insecurities, in the middle of my weakness or my awkwardness or whatever the case may be. And maybe you're thinking, Mark, it's just in your head. Well, yeah, it's real in my head but I will fight through it. And I want to challenge you today to fight through it too. I want you to stand up. And here's the great thing. And like I said, the reason that I could stand here in front of you guys today is because of you and the love that I feel from you and the lack of judgment that I feel from most of you, right? I'm like, these people love me. They're here because they want to know what God's telling me to tell them. And so I feel good. You're with me. And the same way that you're with me, I want to be with you as you walk through your challenges and you walk through your insecurities. And so do the rest of the people here in this room. We want to walk with you. We want to help you. And so as we sing this song, I want to invite you to worship God and really sing this from the bottom of your heart and say, God, I will make room for you. I will take out the, the negativity in my head. I will surrender my insecurities to you. I will stop making excuses and say yes. Say yes. Sometimes we don't say yes because we don't know how we're going to do it. Someone comes to you and says, hey, you want to do this? And you say no. And the reason you say no is because of doubt. Say yes and God will make a way. God led Moses. Think about this. And I end with this. God led Moses set people free straight into the Red Sea trapped with the armies of Pharaoh ready to kill and devour the Israelites and bring them back into slavery and God made a way and he did the impossible parted the Red Sea he will part the Red Sea say yes to Jesus today say yes to God today and so as we worship I'm gonna invite anyone that needs prayer to just come up and I, I wanna pray for you. Maybe you're here with a friend and you know they're struggling and say, hey, let's come up together. God bless you. bless you. Maybe you're here with a friend, your kids are here, your spouse is here and say, hey, you know what? We've been struggling with this decision. Let's say yes together. Let's get rid of the insecurity. Let's step into the purpose of God today in our life. And so I, I say this a lot at the end of service. This doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. This doesn't mean that you don't know God. Moses knew God. Moses was saved. But he could have walked away from his purpose in life. 
Don't let your purpose slip you by. Amen. Amen. And then if you don't fit, you can just get in the aisles. Let's sing um, that little chorus part, I think, or just I'll make room for you and something like that, and then I'm going to pray. You can keep coming. To do whatever you want to do, I will make room for you. tradition, all the religion. You know, we've been in just such a crazy season, just not being able to meet every week and not knowing where we're going to meet. And, you know, there's until now. And um, 
I remember I, I was struggling one one weekend that we were doing service, and it was the first time I heard the band sing this song. And um, sometimes I think it's my fault that all this has happened because God was working in me to just shake up my religion and my tradition. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm sick of religion. Um, I've even thought, like, I don't even want to be called pastor anymore. I'm just Mark, you know? Because it's like religion is just tearing people up and dividing people up. And Jesus came to bring us together. And yet we get the doctrine of Jesus and we've kind of turned it into the same thing that he came to fight. We've become the Sadducees and the Pharisees again. And uh, religion can rob us of God's purpose too. Tradition can rob us from that. And uh, I just challenge you guys just to be open to the spirit of God, to God's word, to look at God's word. Forget about what people are telling you and go back to the word of God. And when you read something you don't understand, ask someone else. Ask me. And if I don't know, I'll sit with you and we'll figure it out together in Jesus' name. But don't let religion bog you down and cripple you down either and give you burdens that you don't need to carry. Jesus came to take our burdens. And you know what religion does? Give you more burdens. And Jesus came to take them from us, from you, you that are here today saying, you know what? I want to make room for God. Some of the room that you got to make is just get some of that stupid religion out of your head and your thoughts and accept the forgiveness of God and the love of God. Amen. Dear Lord, I pray for every single person that's up here today. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would embrace them right now. That you would shake them up, God. Shake up the ground. And that they would know that they are loved. That they're fearfully and wonderfully made by you, God. They're so special. Heal them of the wounds, words that have been spoken into them. Guilt that the devil hangs over their head. That they would accept your forgiveness. Accept consequences like we talked about on Wednesday night. Pray for mercy and grace, but move forward into their purpose in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that we can gather. We thank you because on August 14th, this will be our home every single Sunday. And we pray a special blessing upon the parks manager, the parks director, the mayor's office, his, his chief of staff, the grace and love and mercy that you've given us strangers in this land. Doors that have flung wide open. Keep putting me in uncomfortable positions and opportunities. Thank you, God. And I'm sorry for the times that I've complained about it. But in front of your people today, I ask you, put me in these uncomfortable positions to glorify your name, God. Thank you, Lord. And that I would always be uncomfortable so that I could rely more on you and not on me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a couple things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this podcast has ministered to you and you would like to help us continue reaching people that need to be inspired by the Word of God, please consider making a donation at GodLovesMiami.com. That's GodLovesMiami.com. And we'll see you next time on the God Loves Miami podcast.